0: My name is Steve Gilman, and for decades, I've been helping brands engage with their audiences. On this podcast, we'll connect the dots in the fast-paced world of branding by talking with entrepreneurs, leaders, and marketers on the front lines of telling brand stories. Today, I'm talking with Daniel Blosser, president of Riddleberger Brothers, about how leaders use storytelling, the importance of investing in your employees, and maintaining personal connections as your brand grows. Welcome to the Brand Story Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Gilman, and my guest today is Daniel Blosser, President of Riddleberger Brothers or RBI. RBI is a premier mechanical contractor in our region and has over seven decades of experience serving uh, its customers. And they're an established leader in heating, ventilation, air conditioning, plumbing, all the things that that mechanical contracting uh, encompasses. And has a workforce of over 530 employees and I think 220 fully equipped vehicles. It's quite an operation. And, uh, Daniel started his career, uh, like at an entry level and moved to working in the offices and up through management and became president in 2012. And that's quite a journey. Daniel. Hi, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Steve. Glad to be on.
0: Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about your story of, uh, I think you started as like a day laborer, right?
1: I actually, I did. Um, you know, the story goes back to 1987. Um, One of our former owners was, uh, I was actually working at a golf course back then. I was parking, I was cart. And by the way, that was the number one job I've ever had. You know, parking golf carts for a living. It was good, but it didn't pay all the bills. No, it's a good
0: job, though. It was a fun job.
1: Yeah, yeah. He recruited me and um, he, you know, he had asked me, he said, what do you, you know, what do you want to do after high school? And I said, you know, I really don't know. Back then, uh, you know, I thought maybe I wanted to be an accountant. But needed, uh, needed a job for the summer, so I joined Rudelberger. And, and literally my first job was sweeping floors. So wow. yeah, <laughs> so,
0: That's crazy. So tell me a little bit more like you were a laborer. How long did that go on before you started to move into the office?
1: Okay, so I started uh, in June of '87, and I worked uh, in the, uh, or in the uh, shops for about four years. Now, some of that was out in the field. I actually was, you know, I, pro- I progressed from uh, flipping, sweeping floors to also uh, installing plumbing, mechanical, and things of that nature, too. Wow. So I worked in the field for about four years. So
0: That's wild. And then so from there, you started doing administrative work? and
1: Yeah. So at the time, uh, I was attending Blue Ridge Community College and was going through the general education requirements. Thought I was going to transfer to JMU and, you know, maybe become an accountant, But, you know, again, I really didn't know the more I worked in the field and the more I gained an appreciation for the trades and what we were doing here at Riddleberger, you know, I switched up and I ended up uh, finishing up Blue Ridge, Blue Ridge's two-year mechanical design program. And from there, I transferred to Old Dominion University and received my four-year engineering degree there. And once I finished that up, I came right back. Riddleberger hired me right back and, and started in the office as a safety director Uh, I've wore a lot of hats here in the office as a safety director, project manager, design engineer, uh, construction sales, you know, I've done just about everything and progressed all the way up to my current position as president.
0: Wow. I bet that gives you a really unique perspective on the organization.
1: It does. And it's really helped me prepare me for my, you know, my role now. I mean, I, having seen just about every aspect of this business, you know, from, from the ground up, it's really gave me that perspective and that knowledge. And, you know, really working alongside a lot of our folks has helped, helped develop that respect, the mutual respect that, you know, they have for me and I have for them and what they do, because I can understand what they do e- each and every day.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's not as common in uh, CEOs and presidents as, as I wish it was. And I think, I think that makes your company really unique is, you know, you've, you've Been everything from a laborer all the way to the safety coordinator, and I know the culture you all have. You have a really strong emphasis on safety.
1: We do, we do. It's it's uh, it's all about caring, and you know, caring for our employees. When uh, when we have uh, new hire orientations, I go in and I talk to each and every new hire. You know, no matter what they're they're hired to do, and I you know I tell them the story about caring for them. We want them to come or leave work the same way they came to work and, you know, we're in construction. So inherently what we do day in and day out, you know, there's some dangerous situations that all of our employees encounter. And, you know, for me, it's very important that, you know, our folks uh, do go home the same way they came because it's important to them and their families. You know, they can't provide for their families if they're hurt or, you know, something, you know, terrible happens to them. So it is important for us to to maintain that safety culture and it's something we practice and hopefully preach to all of our employees each and every day.
0: That's great. I think that's really important. And uh, certainly your your current role as safety coordinator probably informs that and how much you put an emphasis on and now that you're president.
1: Right. It does.
0: So you all have had a lot of growth over the years, like just by leaps and bounds. Yeah. And uh, I know that uh, one notable growth event was the, the merge with comfort systems. Right. And that was a big strategic move for you all because I think it, it gave you a lot more tools at your disposal and a lot more depth when you had really, really large projects. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, having grown up in the business and working for not the original Rudelberger brothers, but, you know, they were cousins, uh, you know, I, I've, I've, I've seen the whole transformation from a private organization, family and business, you know, all the way to now. we're part of comfort systems and you know a public publicly traded company so you know the one thing that uh, i will say about it uh, our parent company is very very good to us Uh, they let us run the business here locally they understand you know our brand and i I know we'll talk about brand a little bit later but you know they realize the importance of branding you know in a local market and you know the big green r that we we love to tout and share is very important to our customers but having uh you know having comfort allows us a lot of opportunities to share best practices with a lot of our sister companies from across the country i've been in multiple uh uh, sharing events that they've organized where we're able to get together with uh, other mechanical contractors who aren't our competitors, and that's one of the things. It's hard for us to share with our competitors here locally. I mean, you don't want to share your secrets, obviously. And you know, you've got that little thing called collusion that may come <laughs> into play if you are doing that. Yeah, right. But uh, you know, it allows us to look at best practices of other companies. Uh, a lot of times, the you know, when you're small, a small business like we we were, you know, you put your blinders on and you continue to do something things the way you've always done them and you don't you know it's it's kind of hard to think outside the box sometimes because you're so busy just doing the daily tasks that you're used to doing and uh being part of comfort has allowed us to share those practices and see what other folks do and and gain advantages that way
0: yeah i think it's a it's been one of the best um examples of that kind of um you know uh, merger and, and partnership between you and Comfort, in that the Comfort Systems brand is, uh, you know, mentioned in everything you all do, but the Riddleberger brand has really stood strong, and you can tell right. that Comfort is proud of it. It allows you all to be your own unique company, and I think you know the identity and the brand equity that you all have in this entire region is really, really strong.
1: Yeah. And th- that's one thing that they realized early on, that that local brand with the companies that they purchased, you know, is very important, especially in the local markets that each one of the companies are in. Yeah. And they realized early on that, you know, having that strong local brand is more recognizable than the Comfort Systems brand. So yeah. they they've allowed us to continue with our own branding. And that's, you know, I think it's really been uh, advantageous to us to be able to do that.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of connections with it and it's very uh, widely known in our market and very historic. And I, I, I really compliment you guys on the job that you've done over the years.
1: And I remember when, when we were first, uh, purchased, you know, that was one of the initial conversations, you know, being able to maintain our identity. And I think that's important for our, our employees too, because, you know, we all read a lot of stories about all these big mergers and, you know, the chaos that results from some of it, you know, uh, with other companies that have been through it, um, employees want to feel that connectiveness with, you know, th- their, uh, their fellow employees and being able to maintain, you know, that brand in our name was very important to all of our employees. So that was important to us.
0: That's great. And I know, uh, very recently, I think 2018, um, Trumbo electric came on board as part of your team and that's another, you know, fairly well-known local brand in the, in the Shenandoah Valley. And, uh, So how did you, with with the mergers of bringing in another company like that and that gave you more electrical capabilities and then also with comfort, what did you do with your staff and what did you do communication-wise to make sure that everyone knew that it was all positive moves and not you know, the horror stories they had heard.
1: Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so Trumbo did join us in, in 2018, and, you know, that resulted from some conversations with the with the owner at Trumbo at that time. You know, he actually approached us and said, you know, what do you think about it? And when you look at, you know, the Shenandoah Valley and the, the market in the region that we're both in, you know, Riddleburger's kind of known, you know, as the 800-pound gorilla in mechanical and plumbing, mm-hmm. and Trumbo is the same way on the electrical side. So. We I remember having those initial discussions, and you know, f- once the announcement was made, we we received a lot of good feedback from a lot of our clients and customers that said, "Man, this really makes sense to have that complete mechanical, electrical, plumbing package together." And what better way to have it than have the two, you know, in our opinion, best companies yeah. in their in those respective di- disciplines together. So, um, but you know. Like I said previously, it was very important for them to maintain their identity and that's one of the things that we had during the initial discussions that they would maintain that. So they are an operating division of Riddleberger, but you know, they identify, they keep their brand as Trumbo and you know, that's important to the the, the clients that they share Unfortunately, we share a lot of clients together. So it's been really a marriage made in heaven. Uh, it's really uh, increased our offerings, but it also
0: allows us to share, you know, things with Trumbo as well. That's great. And I think it's such a positive way to go about it. Right. I really applaud the way that you all have done that and how you've communicated about it because the those local identities and, and you know, you all are really well established, really well respected companies in this entire region. And I think mm-hmm. that gives a lot of brand strength. It does. People recognize that immediately. There's a lot of trust built in those brands. So that's a very, really smart way to do it. And I, I really mm-hmm. applaud you guys and how you executed that. Thank you. Yeah, it's good stuff. So I, one of the things I know about RBI from being around it for years is culture is really important to you all. And you know there are a few things with your culture, the culture of service that you all have, I think is incredibly important. So uh, one of the things that I noticed w- with your organization is you have employees that have been with you for, you know, of course, like 10, 20 years, but you have 40, 50 and 50 mm-hmm. plus year employees. And that has to have a lot to do with your culture and how service isn't just for customers. It's also what you all do for each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. And, you know, I've been here, you know, now 33 years. Wow. And we have a gentleman right now who's been here 55 years. He's getting ready to retire. He's retiring next month. And, Early on during my career, that was one of the things that impressed me about Riddleberger. When I first came here and was young and wide-eyed, and you know had been here a year or two, I remember looking around and seeing you know lots of tenured employees, been here twenty, thirty years, and I'm thinking you know to myself, man, this must be a good place to work. And part of that is the culture that you know allows us. Uh, you know, our tagline says our experience at your service. And yes, we do have a lot of folks that have been here 20 plus years. And that allows us to have that technical expertise and that experience to be able to offer our customers solutions that we know work with people who have done it time and time again. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's very important. And it's one of the things that attracted me to Rodelberger.
0: I bet. It's pretty rare, too. I mean, in the in this day and age where people change jobs as often as they change clothes sometimes and, you know, you've got people going in and out of jobs, the longevity of your staff is really remarkable. What do you, what do you attribute that to? It starts with
1: a culture and we, we want to treat everybody here, you know, kind of the golden rule, treat people like you want to be treated. And, you know, our former owners and I know comfort now and myself, that's very important. And, you know, when you're able to do that and maintain those long tenured employees it does develop trust, not only with your employees, but with your customers as well. They know that when they call us, they're going to they're gonna get service and solutions that are time-tested and from people who know how to do them.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, in the trades, that's incredibly important. It is. Because the knowledge, you, you earn a lot of the knowledge in the school of hard knocks. Yeah. And, you know, it takes a long, long time to to learn the ins and outs of what you all do
1: yeah and what we do is highly technical in nature i mean you know we're dealing with pumps and gpms and cfms and you know all these acronyms that you know a lot of people don't even understand and you know to be able to heat and cool and you know make the building plumbing work it does require a lot of technical expertise and with that you know some of that's just like you said hard knock experience
0: you know i was i'm so glad to have you on the podcast because. I've noticed on a lot of podcasts the CEOs and presidents that come on aren't as often from trade organizations and I think the trades in general the careers in trade organizations are extraordinary yep. for for young people today and so do you all see a lot of interest in the trades um you know and hiring new younger people right now or is it a struggle
1: it really is a struggle and we, we aren't seeing you know what the the participation levels that i'd like to see it's certainly not what it was you know 15 20 years ago and that's one of our biggest issues right now is training and developing and really attracting uh, you know these folks uh, i spend a lot of time in the local schools i go talk to cte classes career and technical education classes, uh, spend time at Mass & Tech, uh, and also the Technical Center in Augusta County, just going out and introducing the trades to kids, because I don't think they get a lot of that in school. You know, it, it's also geared towards, you know, I got to get a four-year education. Well, I, and I did, and I'm not knocking that. I mean, it certainly was helpful to me, but, you know, for me, having learned that trade and know how to fix my own plumbing and fix my own air conditioning. You know, it's kind of nice cause I don't have to pay somebody to come do it. <laughs> That's great. And you know, it does lead to, um, it does lead to some leadership qualities. That I think it, it helped instill in me early in my career, you know, knowing how to do those things and, and being able to, uh, to go out and, uh, you know, tell a tell a client here's what here's what needs to be done.
0: Having that like firsthand knowledge of it is so important. It is. It is. Knowing what you really do and getting your hands dirty doing it, mm-hmm. I think, is is a rare quality in C-suite executives these days. So I think that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, you know, I think the I had tradespeople in my family growing up. You know, long-term tradespeople growing up. And I think the value, you know, the, the jobs and the careers available in the trades are extraordinary. They're incredibly well paying right. and they have something that other careers don't have, which is stability
1: you're always going to need a plumber. You're always going to need somebody to fix your air conditioning. I, I tell people, you know, we're kind of recession proof in some, some cases. You know, certainly we felt the effects of the recession in 2008. And, you know, certainly feeling a little bit of it now, you know, given the commodity market issues that we're, we're facing each and every day, deliveries, you know, you just can't go out and find parts. I mean, it, it's an issue that we all face. But, you know, the one good thing about it is, you know, I think, trades folks like ourselves, you know, are always going to be needed in some form or fashion. So it it does help us, especially during, you know, recessionary times. You know, people still need our services to do what we do.
0: Absolutely. And you know, I I was fortunate enough to experience your all services when I was working with um, large hospital systems and different um, organizations building brand new facilities. So what you all do, you know, for our audiences it's so amazing because it's the scale of, you know, you think of your home air conditioner and certainly you all are capable of servicing anything, but some of the systems that you all put in place are just, it's like building an airplane inside a building.
1: It is, you know, and you know, the recent issues with the pandemic and all the things that it called, it really brought into focus just how important the things that we do, as you, as you mentioned, we do a lot of work in hospitals. We've just finished up, you know, major renovation over at UVA at their hospital. You know down in the bowels of the building you know taking care of their medical gas systems and you know most people that's part of part of the plumbing system most people don't even know about it but when you go to a hospital and you need oxygen you need nitrogen or any of the other medical gases you know we're the folks that you know go out braze the systems certify them install them and make sure they're safe so when you are in a hospital you're getting the best treatment that you possibly can you know uh, uh, there's a lot that goes into mris and nuclear imaging devices behind the scenes stuff that we install to make sure those those uh pieces of equipment work properly they're properly cooled and properly exhausted you know all of that stuff and so so yeah it it for us, uh, it you know, what we do is is vitally important to the community. Whether they know, you know, a lot of them don't know it and don't understand, you know, all the behind the scenes stuff that we do. Because let's face it, as mechanical and plumbing contractors, all of our work is hidden, it's behind a wall, it's above a ceiling, yep. or it's in a mechanical room where nobody ever goes, so they never get to see it. But if it's not working, they certainly tell you about
0: it. Oh, yeah, I mean, one of those systems not working, everyone notices immediately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fascinating. I was, I, have w- been lucky enough to see the behind the scenes and see what you all do firsthand when giant facilities are getting made, or, you know, even on the repair side. And I think it's fascinating and the and the careers available and just the skill that it takes is extraordinary. So it's yeah. a it's an amazing business.
1: Like I said, that's that's one of the things that attracted me to the business. I thought I wanted to be an accountant, ended up a plumber.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I I think you probably used your accounting skills a good deal too. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the amazing amount of engineering, and then also just running the company as well. Right. So another thing on the on the uh, company values and just the culture you all have, um, you have a really diverse workforce. You have people out in the field. You have people in offices. Uh, some of them work uh, remotely, you know, and are fairly um, way out in the field sometimes. How do you how do you keep your culture together? What do you do to keep everyone on the same page?
1: Certainly, you know, it's been challenging at time because we are so spread out. Um, you know this past year you know with the pandemic it's really been tough because i haven't been able to go out and uh, you know visit job sites and visit some of our remote offices as much as i'd like to do um, so you know, opportunities virtually, you know, through teams and, you know, other avenues, you know, that's how we're trying to do it. But, you know, our core values, you know, our number one core value, it starts off with our employees. And, you know, it's about building those connections with them and making sure they're being taken care of, making sure they have the right tools and, and all all the training that they need to do
0: their jobs. That's great. And I think one of the things that that RBI does really well is, and this is kind of getting to our brand, part of the conversation is humanizing the brand. I think all the communication you all do—we, you know—you're out there on LinkedIn personally. You're in the community, providing education, and, and you know when you're able to—not during the height of COVID, right—and um, your all your social posts uh, congratulate partners, talk about the people. You have a monthly safety champion. So you know you all the RBI brand is a very human brand. It feels like people, even the name, the Riddleberger name. You know, so how do you how do you keep the focus on really being human like that and all the things you do?
1: Well, obviously, you all help us with that. Yeah, we do. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll give the plug for Gravity Group because, you know, a while back, we knew we needed to do something. We need to step our game up in that. And especially in social media, you know, we all know it, it, it. 20 years ago, it wasn't there, but now it is. And it's a huge part, especially for the young, the younger generation, you know, they're attracted to that they use it, they grew up with it. So it was very important to me to make sure that, you know, the company is, is reaching out on, on those platforms to those folks. So, uh, you know, you all have certainly helped us quite a bit. Lindsay does a great job with our social media platform. But, uh, you know, our posts are all intentional. And Lindsay and I have had that conversation several times. They're intentional in the way that they we communicate, you know, the message that we communicate, but also the message that we want to get over to our com- uh, uh, our employees. We want, we want it to be human. We want it to be personal. You know, we, we say we're a, a, a you know, we're, we are part of comfort and you know, it's a big company, I get that, but we want to be personal. We want to be human to our, to our employees and make sure that they understand that we care.
0: Yeah. Well, it really comes through. And I think it's a great credit to, you know, the partnership we've been able to have with you and also just, but also your vision and how, how consistent you all are in in being willing to tell your story in such Mm a non salesy way. Right. And I think that's a real strength. uh, and, you know, the, you all you all make it easy because you live your brand in a way that if anyone comes in contact with you, what they get is authenticity. And the entire company, from anyone you meet, they're, they're very authentic, very friendly people. So thanks for making our job easy. Well, you do
1: a great job of making us look good, so we
0: appreciate <laughs> thanks, it. Yeah, we enjoy it. We love working <laughs> with you guys. So um, how is it, why is it important for you all, especially when you're dealing with the customers, to really think about them is, you know, the needs they have. I know it's all behind the walls and it's kind of hidden. But but how do you keep the customer at the forefront of your thinking when you're when you're working on these big jobs?
1: For us, you know, our customers are our lifeline. I mean, it, we really do need them. When we've got a, a number of. Uh, long loyal customers within and it's all it's all about treating them like i said earlier treating them the way we want to be treated and i you know i try to instill with all of our employees you know go overboard do the extra thing that's what's gonna that's what's going to keep them that's what's going to help you you know get repeat business from them so really it, and keeping them informed too communication a huge issue, you know, now I think with social media and texting and all the other things that are going on, sometimes it gets impersonal. So I encourage our folks to reach out and, you know, have that that one-on-one conversation, whether it's over the phone or in person, if you can, obviously is my preferred method. But, you know, sometimes it's just a phone call to, to, to reassure our customers, to make sure that they know what's going on, when it's going to be fixed, you know, what the problem is, you know, and sometimes we have to tell them things they don't want to hear. Hey, it's going to be three more days because I'm waiting on this part. But, you know, keeping those those lines of communications open with our customer and keeping them informed, I think b- helps build that trust.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think one of the things I've heard, uh, you know, in the community and with companies that have worked with you all is how good you all are at listening. Yeah. Is, is that something you all talk about as a team is listening to the customers, even when you can't, you know, it's going to be a delay or something, you actually take the time to listen.
1: Yeah. And that's something that, especially with our younger project managers that recently joined us, it's something I preach to them all the time. It's about listening, you know, you know, figuring out, you know, sometimes it's really easy for us to think we know what the issue is and know what the solution is. And sometimes that's not, not the right answer and what what it takes is listening to your client understanding what their needs are understanding where their pain points are and what's really you know like i said sometimes we might think we know what their pain point is but it's really not and listening you know and and drawing that out of the client you know letting them talk and tell you what they really need and and then following up on it is is uh, i think i think it's an important trait that you know we try to instill in our folks
0: That's great because, you know, it's, I think authentic listening when you're listening to customers, especially, and employees, but really actually listening and not assuming you know what the solution is or not assuming that you know what the pain point is. That really is the hallmark of a a respected brand, of a brand that feels like people working, you know, to help you. Mm -hmm. So I think you all do that really well, and it's really great to see. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about storytelling. I know you all just recently redid your values and went to a lot of trouble to communicate those. Yep. why did you go through that?
1: We had, we'd always had core mission, core uh, you know, vision and values uh, for a long time, and it was time to refresh them. And uh, you know, then that came out of a conversation with Lindsay again. You know, we were talking about it, and I said, you know, you know, that is a good idea. It is time to think, and we really wanted to be intentional about it and focus on what really is important. I mean obviously we're in business to make money so we can pay the bills and pay our folks and do all that but that you know what is the real reason we are in business and it's our people and that's why it's our number one uh, you know core value it's all about our employees and being able to provide them with opportunities for growth and uh you know taking care of our clients and then also serving our community you know I'm, i'm you know i grew up in this area so you know it, it, i'm passionate about that and i want to give back to the community we've been blessed with a lot of things here at Riddleberger, and you know i've been b- blessed personally and i want to give back and that that's a big uh, hallmark of what we do and and i'll tell you this steve you know when we we do a lot of volunteer work we we volunteer for habitat for humanity we built several houses or we didn't build the house but we did the you know the mechanic on the plumbing and i'll tell you this when when we sign on for one of those houses I've got I've got to pare the list down when we say Hey, we need some volunteers and you know that makes me so happy to have that many employees want to come out and help. I mean, it, it literally we have to turn our folks away from it because you know we just get too many volunteers.
0: That's so great. It's so great to see that and to hear that because you know there are a lot of companies that say, you know, it's about our customers and we really care about them and we show it. You all authentically do this all, you know, every single day. And you can tell, you know, if you, anyone that gets experience working with you all can pick up on it right away. That that taking care of your employees is incredibly important. You guys offer a lot of training to employees too, don't you, because there's so much to learn.
1: Well, yeah, and you know, it, you know, like I said earlier, you know, what we do is highly technical. So we have to, we have to do a lot of training. Our service technicians undergo, you know, well over a hundred hours each every year just training to work on these chillers and these boilers and, you know, these air conditioning units. I mean, it takes a lot of training. Um, as you know, you know, these new cars, you know, you know how complicated they are. Well, just it's the same with boilers and chillers. I mean, the, the, the technology has advanced so far on some of those pieces, these pieces of equipment, it takes that training, but, you know, you know, for me, it's important too, because, not only when you offer that training and give that training to your, those employees, they like that, you know, to, you're helping them improve and helping them grow and they want to see it. So we do it for that reason, but we also do it because we need to keep up with the technology and be able to take care of our clients and serve them the way that they're used to, you know, getting from us.
0: Yeah, I think the making that investment in the people that work there and then seeing that as, you know, the, the path to ultimately pleasing your customers. I think that's that's very wise and it's also, you know, not all companies do it. A lot of companies yeah. will, you know, kind of try to save some money by not doing as much training as they possibly could. And you all yeah. take it about as far as you can take it with your training.
1: Yeah, the way I look at it, if we're not doing the training, you know, our competitors are going to and they're going to they're gonna leapfrog us if we don't. And like I said, the, you know, the benefits are twofold. One, you know, it, it leads to satisfied customers when we're able to go out and solve their complex solutions. But it also creates, you know, good employees who, who, who know that we value them by giving them that training.
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So let's talk a little bit about this connects to brand. And uh, every CEO or president or leader I have on this podcast, I like to talk about this. Because it might not be something you think about every day. But when you think about, you know, you're in charge of, of telling the story of the brand, especially internally. As a president, how much do you think you're a storyteller?
1: Uh quite a bit. Like, like I said, I, I visit a lot of schools. I tell a lot of
0: stories. <laughs> do you enjoy it? What do you, what do you think about that? When you thought about being a president, do you think did you think a large part of your job would be storytelling? I had no clue, Steve. <laughs> Many don't. Coming
1: coming from an engineering background, you know, storytelling was not one of the things that I thought I would have to do. So I've had to, you know, wear a different hat. But, you know, I really do enjoy it. And, you know, Roodleberger's got a great story to tell. You know, we've been in business for 80 years. And, you know, there's and certainly there's a lot of stories that go along with that that amount of time in business. So and it's it's fun to be able to go out and talk about our history and what we do you know, and our brand. And, and then also talk about some of the, the big jobs that we've done. I mean, when you go up and down the valley here, a lot of these big buildings, we, we've been involved in them either by building them or even working on them after the fact. So, you know, it, it, it actually makes my job pretty easy to tell that story because, you know, the the experience that we have as a company.
0: Yeah. So when you, when you were going through any crisis, whether it was the pandemic or recessions or uh, even when you're just onboarding new employees, do you find yourself using storytelling to try to make sure everyone knows what's going on and, and everyone's on the same page?
1: Oh, yeah. Like I said, during orientation, when I go in talking, I, I, t- I tell them my story because the one thing about a new employee that they want to hear is growth opportunity. They want to know, hey, you know, if I'm coming in as a plumber, what else can I do there? So I tell them my story and, you know, I tell them how I started off, you know, sweeping floors and, you know, I get a lot of I get a lot of looks from time to time from they're like, really? You know, you started you're the president of the company and you're sweeping the floors, you know. But for them to be able to hear that and see that the, that growth opportunity can lead to, you know, better positions within the company, uh, you know, it's good for them to hear that because they know they have that opportunity. And it helps it. You know, obviously it helps in in uh, in, in searching for folks.
0: Yeah, of course it does. And, you know, I. You know, I'm a storytelling nerd. That's pretty much what I care about and what I've been trained in. So I think about stories every day. And, you know, your story is a classic hero's journey. I mean, it's a, you know, there's a thing in storytelling called monomyth, which is hero journey, hero's journey. And every company has one, most leaders have them. And that's what started this podcast is that I'm so fascinated with different people's stories. And, you know, if you think about a company succeeding like RBI, You've had to go through and overcome a lot to get where you are today. And it's a path. Just like you, you know, you started as a day laborer thinking you were going to change careers and be an accountant and look where you ended up. That's a great story.
1: You know, th- those experiences too, Steve, I think has helped prepare me for, for my position now. And being able to live live and, and, and breathe what we do day in and day out you know our our folks do out in the field but having that experience having actually done it it's prepared me it helps me relate to our employees a lot better i mean certainly you know working alongside them you know building that camaraderie up over the years helps but you know they they can look at me and know that i was in the trenches with them or doing what they're doing so i understand it so you know to me those experiences you know really have you know provided me with uh, uh, a lot of skills you know to be able to do what i do today
0: yeah, that's great. I think, you know, anytime you can have that firsthand experience, it makes you so much more relatable as a leader. And I think it helps when you're trying to connect because you actually understand what someone's going through too, which I think is really helpful. So what do you think a common challenge or a challenge for a company like your yours is around telling your story to someone that doesn't know who you are?
1: Like I said, you know, a lot of times folks really don't understand what we do. So, you know, being able to tell that story, you know, in layman's terms – and then, you know, using social media, you know, and working with you all to help get that message across. Again, that's 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 by design. That's what we want to do. You know, recently we started a little, uh, you know, social media uh, uh, platform on, hey, what's a split system unit or what's a package unit? We're trying to inform and you know, trying to tell it in 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 a way that makes it simple and it's easy to understand. Because, like I said, a lot of what we do is complicated and it's hard to explain it. You know, I, I'm an engineer, you know, uh, that's that's what I got. And it's real easy for me to, you know, use, like I said, use a bunch of acronyms, talk over people's head. And you know, I got to realize that. And some people, they don't want to hear that. You know, they just want to know, all right, why is this not working in, in in simple terms? So being able to tell that story in that fashion, you know, in a way that people can understand it is important.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, when you do something complicated, when your, your company and the service you provide are complex, trying to simplify and tell stories about, about how do people use this? What's, what's the benefit every day? You know, one of the, one of the re- reasons I started to learn about RBI was when I was working at a hospital that you all were, or working with a hospital where you we all were doing the installations, and it was the first time I learned about, you know, wait a minute, plumbing is also the oxygen line. And that was a big eye opener for me. You know, at that point in my career, I had no idea, and that stuck with me from the point of view of like, okay, all the gases and all everything happening in this environment to keep these patients safe has to do with how good the company installing these lines are.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, a lot of people don't realize that. When when you hear plumbing, what do you think of? You think of water and sewer, and that's it. But you know, in a hospital. It, it's all those gases. It's all the recirculation lines. You know, there's a lot of things that go into it. Like I said, that are behind the scenes behind the wall or above the ceiling that you don't know. So, it, you know, those things are important and it, you know, it's a noble, it's a noble trait. It really is. When you stop and think about it.
0: Yeah. That's why I was going to say something like that. I think it's, you guys are almost like the, the ultimate behind the scenes player, <laughs> you know, I mean really behind the scenes yeah. cause you're behind yeah. the wall. But when you think about when you really need a system to work, like in a crisis, you you need these systems to work. They are the basic systems we all depend on. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is a really noble profession. It's a really, you know, it's an amazing business. So what do you think has changed the most over the course of your career as a leader?
1: Well, technology. I mean, really, you know, when I started in 1987, you know, everything was, you know, the pieces of equipment that we installed were much simpler. You know, with the digital age, uh, you know, increased efficiencies on equipment, the technology of what we're we're installing has changed dramatically, especially really within the last 10 years. I mean, you know, from the late 80s to the you know, late nineties, it pretty much stayed the same, but in 2000, you know, I guess when the tech boom hit and the com and all that stuff, that's when we really started seeing a big change in, in the complexity of the equipment. And, you know, that leads to, you know, a whole nother list of issues because it takes highly trained and technical people to work on them
0: now. So that is a big change. So now that affects hiring It affects.
1: It, it does.
0: Yeah. Literally everything, I'm sure. Because, the you know, the, I'm sure just the computerization of some of the things you all do has changed a great deal in the last 10 to 15 years.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, it started in the late 80s. This was before cell phones. I mean, I can, <laughs> right. I can remember, you know, the progression from from, you know, the first thing we got was a pager. And, you know, we thought, oh, my gosh. And then it went to the bag phone. And then, you know, now you're walking around with a computer in your hand with a cell phone. So, yeah, it's been a huge, a huge leap. And, you know, 20 years.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I think that's been for all of us, but especially the people in trades.
1: Yeah, it used, it used to be, you know, we went out with hand tools, a pipe wrench and, you know, screwdriver. Now, you know, we're taking laptops out and plugging them into equipment and, and troubleshooting them that way.
0: Yeah, so I'm sure that's changed the type of employees and the training and the investment yeah. and everything. Yeah. So I have a uh, <clears throat> a question that I always like to ask everyone uh, that's kind of a finish the sentence thing, and it's pretty simple, but if you weren't a CEO, if you weren't a president, what would you be?
1: If I weren't a CEO or a president, what would I be? I'd be a plumber. I mean, I enjoy doing it. I really do. Even to this day, I still do that kind of stuff on the side to just, you know, my parents' air conditioner went out on them a couple of weeks ago, went, put my, you know, strapped my tool belt on, went down, put it in, put a new one in for them. So I I really enjoy what I do. I mean, I think that's, like I said, I think that's what, you know, makes me successful at what I'm doing now.
0: That's great. You know, when I ask that question and people's honest reaction is I'd be doing what I do or I'd be doing a version of it. You know, I talked to Judith Trumbo at uh, at VMRC, and she had a very similar answer, and I think that you know shows that you're just absolutely in the right place.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I I, I tell myself this all the time. I mean, you know, I love, I really do enjoy what I do. I love, uh, love my job, and you know, being able to you know physically go out and do it, you know, that's rewarding to me. And I, I'm where I need to be, and I'm where I belong.
0: So I've I've asked a lot of people this question. I think it's an interesting point of view to get. This last year, I'm, uh, for you guys, for everyone in business, you know, with the pandemic, was incredibly challenging. But what was the most positive thing you took away from that experience?
1: You know, really the communication and the teamwork that was developed within our company. I mean, it, for us, you know, we are spread out. And we're all up and down the valley. And it's tough. Like I said, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about, you know, not being able to get together because we are so spread out. But, you know with all that we went through last year you know last year was our busiest year ever i mean and i tell people that and you know they're like oh you know really it was a pandemic how they have to understand a lot of what we do is two or three years in advance, you know, so our contracts, you know, that we got a year or two ago, you know, we're still working on them and it was our busiest year ever. And it, you know, in a lot of respects, it was our most challenging year ever because we had all these restrictions that were placed on with mask and social distancing and, you know, trying to figure out different things. But, you know, our team, you know, we all came together You know, we had to do a lot of it virtually, but we did come together. We still, communicated quite effectively in order to be able to serve our clients and get the amount of work that we had you know to get done get done so
0: yeah you really learn a lot about the character of your team in situations like that
1: and I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say it was all all rosy because all <laughs> it certainly wasn't at times and I remember you know a lot of days going home thinking how are we going to get this done but you know That's the great thing about the, you know, the employees here, they all came together, you know, instead of, you know, you know, hanging our heads and saying, Hey, we can't do that. We figured out a different way to do it. And, you know, just being able to see that teamwork, you know, amongst everybody and in the the ideas and the solutions that came out of, you know, some of the problems we faced, you know, it really made me proud to be part of this organization really did.
0: That's great. Yeah. I had a very similar experience on that. You you're really surprised by how much people can step up And who just naturally takes on a leadership role and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, people pull together and they figure out a new and different way. And sometimes what they figure out is better than what you were doing.
1: That's exactly right. A lot of times you get blinders on and you're, you're, you're going about business the way you've always done it or the way, you know, and you know, when situations like last year come up, I mean, it forces you to kind of think outside the box. And for me personally, you know, seeing, you know, a lot of our folks, my division managers, you know, think outside the box and giving them the freedom to do that and try different things, you know, that was rewarding for me. It really was.
0: Yeah, I bet. And I I feel the same way. I think it's amazing to to you look back on an experience like that and like you said, it wasn't exactly rosy at times. <laughs> it was about zero fun is what it was. Yes. And the challenges were, you know, they're just coming fast and furious. But mm-hmm. I think what I learned about our team too is just how resilient. And yep. responsible and and dependable people are.
1: They really are, and that's that's the one thing that really um, you know here at Riddleberger, I really enjoy is just you know the folks, it, you know they're not they're not coworkers, they're my friends, and you know being able to interact with them and see you know how they react and what they've they've been able to accomplish during this past year, it's just been remarkable. I'm so proud to be part of it.
0: Yeah, it's a great feeling. It really makes it worth it, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does.
0: So I have one last question for you, and this is a, a question that I ask every guest at the end. Um, so knowing what you know now, what one piece of advice would you give to your younger self?
1: I would listen more. That uh, You know, uh, you know for me i'm i'm a high d personality so you know I, i'm a go getter i'm am a charger and you know sometimes i really you know one of my biggest biggest weaknesses is 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 just being able to stop and listen rather than saying hey we need to do this and that's one thing that i've been intentionally working on for a while now uh, you know i think it's it's important to understand your personality type and how you're perceived and how people take you because a lot of times we just assume, you know, our own personality. Hey, I like right. myself. Yeah, hey, right. This guy's got to like me too, you know, and that's really not the way. So understanding other, other people's personalities and needs and listening, listening more would be probably the thing that I would, I would look back and say, Hey, Hey, young Daniel, that's what you need to do. I think it would have made me a better person.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great tip. You almost wish you could go back and pass, tap yourself yes. on the shoulder and be like, little less talking, a little more listening. Yep. I think yep. we all have that. Well, thanks so much for doing this today, Daniel. It was a, yep. it was an absolute blast to talk to you. Thank
1: you, Steve. I enjoyed I enjoyed it immensely. Thank you.